Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Magnificent Whiskers podcast. For this episode, we sat down with Tara. I met Tara through a D&D podcast that I perform on as a player, and you'll have the opportunity to hear a little bit later. For this episode, we once we finally were able to punch through the get-to-know-you questions, which we spent a good amount of time on, we did dance around our topic quite a bit, which was people's need to share unsolicited advice specifically in the health sector. Tara has some specialized knowledge where this is considered and was more than happy to put Colby and I on our place on more than one occasion, which was uh, quite an interesting experience for both of us. We really hope that that will come through and that you'll be able to enjoy this episode with us. Tara also has a really exciting announcement, so please stay tuned all the way to the end to be able to catch that. And of course, uh, the link for everything mentioned will be in the show notes. So, without further ado, please enjoy The Cult of Bioindividuality. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Magnificent Whiskers podcast. Uh, my name is Remy, and I got lucky enough to be able to have Colby with me again. Say hi, Colby. Hello, hello. <laughs> And we, keeping in the theme for this season, managed to land another guest. So we are here with Tara. Say hi. Hello. And um, Tara has, is, I think, the first guest that we've had that actively listened to like at least a full episode of the podcast before, um, before the interview. Uh, and actually, that seems to be something that is becoming more prolific as I'm talking with people about coming on the show. Yeah. I'm starting to get messages and text messages from them. And I already know the answers to the questions. I'm like, that's not how it's supposed to work. No, this is supposed to be off the cuff. That's right. But This has now been cuffed. It's not been cuffed. There are links. There are cuff links. <laughs> there are links in the show notes. There's links everywhere. Okay. But we're going to ask the questions anyway, uh, because this is how I chose to start each of these episodes. And once we commit to something, this is, where, this is the way it's going to go. Um, so Tara, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, cool. So also, you've already given some of these some thought, haven't you? Yeah, that's a word, yeah. Okay, that's a word, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, then you're going to be fairly prepared. So You would go. think that, but... <laughs> Nope. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, vampire or werewolf? Werewolf. And do you want to go into why, or do you just... I mean, the only... The, the first thing that I think about when I think of that question is Twilight. And I was always Team Jacob, so... Sorry, everyone, that's Team Edward. I've gone over this as to why. Yeah, but see, I did that thing where, like, I blocked out the things that make me sad. <laughs> and, and so now we're going to have to fight about that then. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I, I'm Team Jacob as well. From the little I have read of Twilight. Uh, cool. Uh, your team? What? Yeah. Edward's a creep. I just think that he didn't treat Bella that great. Because he's a creep. <laughs> Several hundred year, years old, and he's hanging around a high school. Yeah, well, right. yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> how... Like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, but I get that. That's, I didn't perpetually a high schooler. Like, right, yeah, like, that didn't... That didn't strike me as weird. I just thought, like, the whole, like, he literally, like, left her for, like, months and months and months and... To whatever. protect her! That's such bullshit. Uh, that's such a bullshit Just answer. because he wants to protect her doesn't mean it's not still rooted and in Jacob his own was perception of her. as a guardian I get that things happened yeah, as they were like... meant to be because, like, <laughs> he was really only attracted to Bella because eventually he would imprint on her daughter. Like, I totally get that. It's just creepy in and of itself. Okay. Yeah. Oh, spoilers, by the way. Spoilers for a 15-year-old book series <laughs> of young adults. If you're, if you're young Maybe enough you're to like read me the series... 
If you're young enough to read the series for the first time, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> Fair. There's a reason yeah. that there's an explicit tag on this thing. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. But the, like, okay, let me also, let me say okay a couple more times. Yeah. So I feel like I also have to point out a little bit here that um, Jacob wasn't even a werewolf. No. Whatever. That oh, depends God. a lot on your interpretation. Yeah, uh, they it fucking are... doesn't. That's it's not interpretation. It's literally in the fucking text. Yes, I understand. But that's how he, but, okay, uh, for, go ahead. It's how it's... he was portrayed, right. and yes. that was intentional throughout the entire series until we get to the end where she's like, oh, by the way, I only have a contract for one more book, and I have to include all of this information, so they're not werewolves, they're shapeshifters. Um, yeah. And because what was it it was uh, the Volturi who were specifically talking about their their cousins of the moon or something like that and that's why they decided not to butcher Jacob's entire family because they weren't uh, beholden to the cycles why do I know this much about Twilight Lord <laughs> they weren't beholden to the cycles of the moon it they were shapeshifters so because the patron um, animal that was a Quaalute which also is like one consonant away from being a rough drug. Um, the Quaaludes, it, that's got to be wrong. I'm going to have to look it up. They, they were, uh, because they were in Washington, the wolves, the timber wolves that were up there, that's why they ended up becoming werewolves. They could have easily been fucking partridges or something. <laughs> Probably not partridges. But they could have easily been, you know, another apex predator of some sort. Fair. It just happened to be wolves. And that also fit the werewolf vampire story. But yeah. Understand. So not even a werewolf, but... Uh, I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> so, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Why? That's like what I was raised on. I was raised on Star Trek. Like the original. Like, I think that's Star literally Trek. everybody's answer um, for each of them. Yeah, that's what I grew up with. Surprisingly, I actually grew up on Star Wars more, but I'm a Star Trek. Yeah, I like, I mean, I really like Star Trek. I like the world that it's in. Honestly, I've tried watching Star Wars and all of the movies blend together for me. That's fair, because they are significantly the same movie. Uh, yeah. As, especially the original trilogy breaks down a little bit more. Yeah. But... Uh, I couldn't even tell you like what I attempted to watch, because I feel like I've watched somehow like the same scene <laughs> every single time I watch it. I'm not that, entirely sure how that's possible, but I yeah. feel like I tried different movies, so I'm not entirely sure. That, that actually is a bit of an issue with them, uh, is that... Because it is space fantasy, yeah, more than science fiction, uh, a lot of those core plot points repeat over and over, as does most fantasy. Yeah, right. it's that's a lot. Fair. It's a lot more in the execution. Literally, like when you break it down, Star Wars is a kid who lives on a farm and doesn't know his parents. Uh, his family gets killed. He finds an old magic man who gives him a magic sword, he goes and rescues a princess and kills the evil emperor. Yeah. It's literally, uh, it's literally a I feel thing. like somebody is going to argue with that, a, but I don't know because I haven't seen it. There's only one point that I have his, to disagree his with. His, he didn't kill the emperor. No, his, he, but he goes on a quest to kill the emperor. And, then, his, and then it turns out that the evil emperor's second in command is his father. Right. Which is also ma as hell. major yeah. fantasy trope, which... It was brand new to, like, the big screen right. and science fiction, right. but it was an old fantasy trope. It just yeah, yeah. felt new because it was had a new skin of paint did, on why it. Why did Order of the Stick pop in my head? Because oh. Ellen and Nail's El dad. Yeah, yeah, Ellen and Nail, yep. Yeah. So, uh, football or football? Football. Do you have a team? 
No. <laughs> well, I appreciate you picking one. Uh, <laughs> musical or straight play? Ooh. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> there is when no I was when I was when I was in high school and I was like super into this stuff, mm-hmm. I would have said straight plays. Okay. Because I felt like musicals took away from like music in the like would take away from the storyline. Instead of <sighs> emphasizing it, that's that was my original view on it. Okay. I that, feel like now I'm actually more into musicals than straight plays. Okay. I think both of those arguments have a lot of merit. Yeah. Honestly. But I love music. And I feel like yeah. used properly, I think that there are terrible musicals that do exactly that, where the music is just a distraction and it serves no purpose. Fucking Mamma Mia. Can't stand Mamma Mia. Oh my God, Mamma Mia is trash. <laughs> oh, wait, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> All the, the drama people listening to this will now revolt against Toby. Well, they meet at dawn. Maybe ABBA should have not been used just to sell tickets because that's what it was. Yeah. They made a half-ass storyline around ABBA music. That's all it was. Okay. Well, there we are. Uh, 90s rap or current rap? I don't really listen to rap, but probably 90s rap. Because if I know any rap, it's 90s rap. Okay. And uh, are you aware of what your Hogwarts house is? Ravenclaw. Hey, me too. I'm a Hufflepuff. You are such a Hufflepuff. And I love it. And I love you. Okay. Marvel or DC? Marvel. I love it. Succinct. Uh, Yeah. Staycation or vacation? Um, vacation. All I ever wanted. Yeah, I like getting away. And here's the new one. What's your favorite dinosaur? Oh, oh, pterodactyl. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even have to ask. I thought about that one when Uh, I was listening to the episode with, um. Did we ever answer that one? I don't know if I've answered you that. You weren't I think there. That, yeah, I think that one came no, in you, after my last episode. No, yeah. no, no. You were there, but your audio cut out. Oh. <laughs> oh, in the episode with Jake. Yeah, you just kept like, yeah, it was, that, was a, oh. that was a cluster fluff. Yeah. That's oh, that's right. We have the explicit. Uh, ta- that was a cluster fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now I forget. I, <clears throat> do you, do you, would you like to share? Yeah, what's your favorite dinosaur? We're just gonna we're gonna continuously forget that we have answered yeah. this question. That's fine. We're just gonna and every time to answer it every episode, um, and then hopefully have a different answer. I'm I'm a big fan of Ankylosaurus. Okay. Why? <laughs> yeah. Because it's got a giant ass wrecking ball on its tail. Are you joking? Okay. That's fair. That's I valid. am a Stegosaurus. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but instead of stabby butt, I have club butt. <laughs> uh, it may be a little cliche, but I'm all in on Velociraptor. Velociraptors are cool. I, Nine foot tall murder chickens. That makes me think of Jurassic Park. Yeah, it should. I, and that terrifies me. Yeah. <laughs> more, more like a six foot turkey. <laughs> murder chicken. Murder have, chicken. Have you ever spent time around chickens? Actual chickens are murder chickens. Yeah, no, they're, they're terrifying beasts. Raptors. Yeah. Are chickens raptors? They would be. If they were allowed to, like, live? Yeah. In, in like, the real world? Yeah. If they weren't bred to be a foot tall and made of boob? And adorable. Yes. <laughs> no, seriously, we've bred, we've bred mm-hmm. chickens to the point where they're, like, 85% breast meat. Yeah. Well, yeah. Normally, they're not. It's delicious, so. Eh, I disagree. I have no comment on that. White, <laughs> white meat chicken is the inferior chicken to dark meat chicken, which is more flavorful and juicier. Touche, Sal. But 
fucking white people. Yeah, let's not. Let, wow, Kobe. <laughs> you swung for that one. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. Woo! Apparently, we're going to have to put an R next to the E. Jesus Christ. You fucking derailed me. How did you even do that? Okay. It's uh, impressive. It takes a lot. Yeah. That, <laughs> to derail Remy? Yeah. And like, I think it's just. Yeah, okay. Cool. So. On that note, I'm just going to abruptly segue into the fact that we actually have a topic to talk about today because you just you left me plum flustered. Um, so I wrote a note down in this giant uh, grouping of notes for ideas to talk about on the podcast, and this note it reads as follows: Having an overwhelming urge to offer advice on subjects, specifically health advice, uh, about which we typically know very little. Now I will. Really admit that there have been occasions in which I am guilty of this terribly. Uh, I, I formulate an extremely strong opinion about a particular subject, not necessarily health, but anything, and attempt to decide to die on that hill. I'm glad that that's funny to you. And uh, you are a man of hills and dying. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I, I did once. Uh, one of my life goals is to be named Baron of something. Uh, probably change my name to Baron Vaughn, whatever the thing is. But I would love to. I did do some research at one point on what it would take to be named a Baron, and uh, I am too American. Yeah. So I'll post. I'll post a link in the show notes as to what I found. But you'll see why I say that I am too American to be Baron of anything. Um, still on the you, list, though. You are Baron of Baronry. I yeah. <laughs> Von Baron. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. So, that's what I wanted to talk about, um, especially in the, in the health field. Uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but anytime, I mean, it, it happens to me all the time. If I have the sniffles or whatever, I get about 45 pieces of advice, almost none of which is valid or helpful. Um, anybody, anytime anybody expresses the desire to want to lose weight, you're being solicited and just swooped in upon by all these folks who want to hit you with a bunch of transdermal patches and shakes. And oh, especially if, they have, if they're involved in, like, an industry of it. Well, like, yeah, that's if, like if the they, multi-level marketing if, industry. If they sell any multi-level marketing products, even vaguely associated with weight or health, it's just, it's a cavalcade of bullshit. It really is. Thrive. Thrive was the, oh, yeah, we're not big enough for me to worry about this. Thrive was the biggest <laughs> one that I've uh, run into recently, and it's like, most of the people that I talk to that actively use this stuff, you get the occasional person who's like, I've lost like 75 pounds and this is great shit. I, I thought Thrive Market was just regular groceries, but it was getting shipped to your house. No. And it was like brand, it was like no name brand stuff, so it was cheaper. No. I mean, that, that might be Thrive Market, but there's, oh, there's that's something. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. There, there's an actual company called Thrive. Oh. Where they they market themselves as like a health and weight loss organization, and they give you transdermal patches, and they give you oh, a bunch okay. of shakes, and they give you probably the shakes. And uh, <laughs> but I know I know some people personally who tried it for the energy boost, and it made them very ill. Right. And uh, because because this stuff isn't FDA approved or tested. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Okay, so to introduce myself in terms of this topic. Yeah, sure. So I'm a certified um, health and life coach through the Integrative Institute of Nutrition. Right. Um, so I received my certificate in this past January. And through that, um, like this type of conversation happens a lot. And people that get a health coach. So to talk about what, what you need in order to actually talk about nutrition, 
um, is technically absolutely nothing, right? So yeah. there's absolutely no governmental governmental guidelines in terms of giving out certain types of advice. Um, the only people that are like regulated by the government is um, registered dietitians. Yep. So anybody uh, that girl, claims to be my girlfriend's actually uh, doing the classwork to become a registered yeah, dietitian, so and she said like it, it's it even talks about it in my notes that like I could be a nutritionist right now. I could just put a the yeah. only thing I can't do is like put a sign on my door that says like dietitian. I right. could be a nutritionist. I could be a health coach. Right. I could be a, a whatever. But yeah. Yeah. So, so the, with that said, um, you don't technically need a certificate to be a health coach. I decided to get certified and I decided to go through the school that I did because I heavily value being educated in the thing that I'm talking about. I am not somebody that is going to give out advice that's not backed by some kind of literature, study, etc. Um, that's important. It's, it is it's important. something that a lot of people lack. Right. And with that said, a lot of people that even get the certificate don't necessarily do what it is that I do, which is work on their own, become a health coach, open up their own practice, and they can, and a lot of them that I know of for people that even graduated with me get in, involved with these multi-level marketing companies, which for the record, I do not believe that by themselves MLMs are bad. Um, I just think that you kind of have to do a lot of sifting to find a good company, a good quality company. Well, and the company at their inception, at the core, at the headquarters, probably really great. The CEO, the guy right next to him, maybe even a couple levels below that, probably really f fantastic across the board. But when you get down into the levels where it's people like we know personally, there's a lot higher likelihood for them to run into the, for lack of a better phrase, shysters. There's also... Well, I think the problem is the product, though, right? If we're talking about, well, pro if we're talking about products, a lot of them aren't necessarily safe because they're not tested properly. Uh, properly, and they get involved with these companies because they think that they're going to change their lives. They think yeah. that by taking a pill or by doing something else that they're going to lose a lot of weight fast. Wait, 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 wait. You don't actually mean to say that the American people are, are looking lazy? for the easy way out. Know, crazy concept. That our culture thinks I, that you can just flip a light switch and be skinny. I right. can't say too much because I literally changed one aspect of my diet and lost 50 pounds. Motherfucker, that's not changed. You stopped eating sugar. No wonder. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. You can change one thing in order to... And you could yeah. have great impacts from that. I lost a lot of my... So I've lost um, over 45 pounds in the past couple of years through my own like weight loss journey, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, and originally, I lost like 10 pounds just by going to the gym once a week and not eating french fries. Yeah. That was it. That was the only dietary oh, change that I made. Shit, you went 180 degrees on that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that was originally it, though, because, like, I at the time, I was still in college, so I was on a college campus, so ah. my eating options were limited. Yeah. Um, and with the schedule that I had in college, I wasn't necessarily making time for myself, um, especially time to go to the gym and take care of myself in that way. That could be an entire conversation. Yeah, this is an entire, yeah, this is an entire conversation. But my point being is that it can be something that seems insignificant, but to you is significant. If you had yeah. a lot of sugar, if you had a lot of processed foods, for example, and you decide to scale back on that, you could see significant changes in your body fairly quickly. Yeah. So um, like, that's not to say that there is nothing that you could do that would cause change, but that's exactly it. But yeah. we're talking about things that yeah. you're changing in your diet um, or in your lifestyle that are going, that anybody in any book will recommend to you. Yeah. So eating more, like, so for the record, what I'm talking about here 
is eating more whole foods. Should I be stenographying this? I feel like... <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe. Like, just eating more whole foods and less processed foods, period. What is a whole more, food? A whole food is basically non-processed food. So I'm talking about fruits, vegetables, and if you eat meat, like... Um, actual meat instead actual of a meat, meat product like hot dogs or deli meat. Right, so like I'm talking that. about, like, high-quality, like, 90% lean or whatever it is, meat. Um, yeah. And ideally, right, you're getting that from a butcher um, or whatever it is, like, ideally. Um, I understand, with that said, that there are limitations, especially when it comes to meat, getting high-quality meat is a socioeconomic issue, right? Yes. Of course it is. Um, however, right. thankfully, fruits and vegetables, there are ways to get high-quality faster um, because frozen ve- frozen is... Uh, I'm a huge supporter of frozen vegetables. Right, yeah. Uh, Not I'm, canned. I'm, I'm lucky enough that my girlfriend and I, we buy all fresh, mm-hmm. but we have a grocery store within, like two to three blocks of our house so right. you know we leave work stop at the grocery store and come back and it's a 20 minute detour that's not that's a realistic it. thing for most and, people it, exactly and, and now we, there is an argument for um like growers markets uh farmers markets whatever they're called in your local area those also don't exist in most places that's another what? thing yeah dude again that's something that's very unique to rural areas well like i areas just be a like humble ours. country that's boy that's not true anymore that's especially like in i i so i'm from new york okay. um, specifically long island we have farmers markets i was gonna say it's changing more and more and but cities until- are growing um like urban agriculture is like a yeah huge urban agriculture is yeah, enormous it, i just it's i was becoming a huge thing mm-hmm. i just like read a study that i can't name or watched a video that i can't reference uh that was talking about uh doing like vertical agriculture. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're literally building skyscrapers and growing shit hydroponically. Yep. And not just hydroponically, but there's another term that I can't think of that we're also doing it with like UV uh, rays, but it's not underwater. Yeah. Like, um, something chronic. I know what I know what you're the talking pro- about. Though. But the problem, the problem with farmers markets, in my personal experiences, is that it's become, be, especially because it's local and because it's like kind of like this trendy thing to do right now, that the prices are higher than going to your conventional grocery store. So even though you're technically, you may be getting a higher quality product by going to your local farmer's market, yeah. you, you cannot necessarily afford that luxury. Yeah, now, that, I will, that's something I will that has gotten from, gentrified a bit. It because, has, but I will speak from the perspective of a person who's been low income my entire adult life. One of the advantages, nope, not calling it an advantage, but one of the good things that comes along with that, if you are a recipient of SNAP benefits, um, you can usually use that at That's your fair. local. So, so like, there's definitely a middle area, lower middle class area, where like you would, you would have to do some badass budgeting to be able to make it work, to be able to like to expand your food budget yeah, in that way. Sure. But if you receive SNAP benefits, um, and I will say locally here that. I don't find that to be the case. Yeah, yeah. so it could Around be totally. Yeah, so it could it could totally be like a regional thing. But with yeah. that said, overall, yes. it's possible to have not like I'm not going to pretend that you have like all of these like bougie like new products or whatever. <laughs> like you're not going to be able to afford like the pre-made shakes that are like 100% certified right. organic, non-GMO, whatever. But you can have like you know a decent diet, usually supplementing with. Um, other things and that's not to be perfect but it, it is accessible it's more accessible to have a more well-balanced diet now than i think it has been accessible in the past Agreed. especially because uh now there's more delivery services than ever that can have things delivered to your homes i know there's a big push for like ugly produce uh yeah that's a would, huge thing too yeah it makes it very nice to have access to that for people 
Colby, it's very amusing that you bring ugly produce up because one of our co-hosts actually, you thought I was going to make a joke about how Colby was ugly produce, didn't you? (laughs) Okay, that's totally valid. Uh, (laughs) Uh, But You look like a rhubarb. (laughs) (laughs) I was really expecting rutabaga. (laughs) I love you, Colby. Uh, Uh, Amy. Yes. Does unboxings for on, Misfit Kitchen, right? Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's it's ugly vegetables. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I can't use them as much again because of the restrictions that I'm on for my diet. And there's a lot of like root vegetables and things in those products. But one of the issues with them is you know, one of those unintended consequences. While those things don't often hit grocery store shelves, and so they're a little bit cheap, cheaper for us to buy individually. Those products do normally get used. For like other products, so while that uh, ugly, so it could be driving the cost up uh, for like the products that would be made from that. So like misshapen oranges aren't going to get you sent to the grocery store, but they're going to get sent to a factory that makes orange juice hmm. or carrots. Come on, and man! You like that. know that orange juice isn't orange juice. There's nope. you can't fucking tell me that Tropicana tastes exactly the same today as it will in fucking February, and there's oranges in that shit. No, it's is made 100% from oranges. The problem is that they take the orange, they grind it all down, they then bleach it until it's basically not orange and just tastes like water, and then they add the orange flavor back in so that it lasts longer. Okay, I'm so gonna stop this. Con- orange, hold on, but... I'm gonna stop the, the orange juice conversation. <laughs> Wait, but I have I'm a gonna, segue. I, do you have a segue? Yes. Fine. Go the, ahead. The, 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 the flavor that we all know is banana flavoring. The reason it doesn't taste like bananas is because it's based on a banana that's been extinct. For years. So it's based on a legitimate banana flavor that used to exist, but the reason it doesn't taste like anything like actual bananas today is the bananas we eat today mm-hmm. are not the same as the ones that it was based off of. Yeah. Okay, I'm done Be- now. Because bananas... That wasn't a segue. Bananas I know, are... but I knew it was the only way you'd let me continue. <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly, though, that's because bananas are monoculture. Yes! That, uh, every banana that you eat is a clone of every banana that you've already eaten. Because, also, that's disturbing. Yeah, because bananas, we selectively bred them to the point where bananas don't produce seeds anymore, so they can't reproduce with each other, so they literally just... There's like, no more banana snacks! No, they, they literally just <laughs> cut, they cut the stalk off of a banana, plant that, grows another banana tree of that same banana tree. So it's, it's literally... Banana-ception! We have, we have been eating the same banana, the same single banana, for over 80 years. <laughs> As... <laughs> I have absolutely nothing to like back this up, so I'm not even sure. Now there are there are there are multiple breeds of bananas, but the primary banana that we eat in America is that it's a clone of that banana. banana. We're all eating the same banana. Yeah, we're just eating the same one. We're just eating small pieces of the same banana. You're uh, welcome. We're all one. We're all <laughs> eating the same <laughs> You know what Wait. really unifies us, okay? Now, this I, banana. Banana. now I need to start the cult of the banana. No. <laughs> it's going to be on your merch. You're, you're, go, you're going to run. <laughs> oh, oh no, we've harmed Remy. <laughs> in, our next, in our next D&D game, you're going to run into a cult dressed all in yellow. <laughs> And it's, I'm, I'm going to start making Arrested <laughs> Development jokes. It's going to happen. 
Arrested Development? That's the yeah. Duluth company, right? Yep. Yeah, okay, it, I thought so. one banana. What could it cost? $10? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Okay. I feel like you actually had something to say, Tara. Did, did you lose it? Or, or are you still seething over the fact that I dramatically misled us by calling something that was not a segue? It was technically a segue. So going back. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about health advice. For the first time in, in, in the whiskers. <laughs> the whiskers history. Oh, now we're going to circle back to the topic at hand. Colby's pretty good at, at bringing us around. I'm the, I'm the bad one here. I, I can't. Uh, oh, yes, my Lord. I'm sorry. Are... I'm still in the banana thing. That so fucks me up, too. I'm just okay. like, I, I just keep getting so My point I... was, to all of this, <laughs> was that you don't need a certification in order to talk about health topics with other people. Holy yeah. shit. Is that what we were talking about? That's okay. what we were talking At about. At one point. Wait, okay. So I can be a health coach. Yes. Right. You can literally just go online and be like, I'm a health coach. I can't Look promise to be a good one. But, but exactly you can it. tell people you're a good one. Yeah, I'm and really then, good at convincing people. Yeah, and then when they don't get results, blame them. <laughs> tell, tell them they didn't do yeah, it right. Yeah, just put it in the contract. It's, yeah. it's literally, it's, okay, so it's literally evangelizing. Yeah, it's snake oil salesmen. Oh, well, the reason that you can't walk, son, my 15-year-old paraplegic boy, is because you don't believe in Jesus Christ enough. If you... Okay, this no, yeah. no, we're not going down. I have, that road. Oh, I have, that's a bad road. I will say I have actually interacted with those people. Yes. Yes. How have I never heard of this story? Uh, I I was told that knew better. I was told that my knee problems the my first year in college that my knees were bad because uh, I didn't believe in Jesus enough, not because I was hit by a car when I was twelve. A car that Colby uh, broke, by the way. <laughs> I've, I've been. Oh, hit by, oh, you think I'm kidding. I've been hit by three no, cars. I I've, I've, I've been hit by three cars in my life. I broke two of them. He did. Now, I wasn't there. Yeah, but why were you I hit by him. three cars? That's a large number of cars. Like, Colby's you know. a large target. <laughs> like, I, I really don't know. I don't know why. Because, I just know that it Because happened. Colby just reads. That's what Colby used to do. None of he them happened. None of them happened while I was walking and reading. Not a single one. No, because at least the first one, you were on your bike. I was on my bike riding down a hill, and I got hit by a station wagon. The second one, I was walking through the streets of Philadelphia, and someone skipped a stop sign. The, the third one, uh, the third one, I was... Hit him so hard, he forgot. No, the third one, I was, <laughs> I was, I was going to work at Bucknell, and I got hit by someone who also ran a stop sign. I feel like I knew that. Yeah. But I did that thing where when I don't like the information, I put it away. Yeah. He, so I'm a little bit stealing his thunder here, but like he cracked the engine block of the station wagon with his shin. Good for you. I'm proud. I mean, they deserved it. But yeah, for there's dating a reason, Colby. There's a reason that one Poor of, innocent Colby. Right. There's a reason that if you go back to the I episode was Mark... No one is poor and innocent. <laughs> That's valid. If you go back to the episode Mark alias, this is part of the reason why Colby is affectionately referred there's to as There's so much in that episode, but it was also so long. It, <laughs> it really was. was. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we recorded it. <laughs> no. We were there. I edited the fucker. Like... Uh, yeah, so yeah, if you don't like our, our editing or sound design or sound engineering, you can I'm just saying, don't feel bad if you're like, wow, I really want to know what it is that they're talking about, and then you're like, you can't, like, invest, you know, like, you can't just <laughs> No, no, they should feel bad. One. No, they yeah. shouldn't. They could listen to the other episodes. And not the one that's an hour this. and a half. That's fair. <laughs> I'm 
I, I think it's valid. You know what I think yeah. I'm going to do? I'm going to go back, I'm going to re-edit it, and I'm going to cut the fuck in half. And <laughs> that way... No, that not way even in half, just like a half hour off. In thirds. Cut it into yeah, thirds. Cut it, we'll make it a three-part episode. Yeah. I love it. It's a trilogy. It's yeah. the Alias trilogy. Holy shit. I actually really like that. All right. Yeah. Well, that's a thing that's probably going to happen, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> what the fuck were we talking about? Being a health coach. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Health and the, coaching. And the, certifi- and the certifications that go along with it. How right. Hold on. Hold on. Guards? Wait, wait, wait. So. Uh, okay. Go I don't ahead. remember that one, actually. I don't, I don't remember how we transitioned. <laughs> I don't know either, but. Oh, televangelists. Oh. We were talking about televangelists. Oh, oh yes. Right. right. Yeah. Because, okay. right. Okay, great. Uh, so bringing it back. We want it back. The reason why I picked, though, for the record, I picked the school that I went to because there is many uh, schools that we get health coaching with, um, is that my school does a lot of work with the government to try to get legislation to pass so that people awesome. would get certified. Um, so I like strongly believe in their messaging, and they do a really great job of telling everybody what their scope of practice is. Now, do people listen to that? Not necessarily, and some people get sued as a result of that, but that's also why you need to pay attention to you know, your, your laws and also know what it is that you're allowed to practice. But going now, now really going back here and talking about why people enjoy giving health advice to people is yes. because in general people like to think that they know best. And the other, the other aspect of this is that it may have worked for them. Well, fair. Right? So if something works for you, then you may project that onto other people. But and placebo effects are a thing. Well, so placebo, people yeah. think that the thing that they did is what got them through it. It's literally why uh, investment in the pharmaceutical industry toward mental health has ground to a halt. Mm-hmm. And it, while there, you're not seeing as many advancements in the pharmaceutical industry in a lot of places, like the reason that they just continuously crank out new versions of the exact same fucking drug is because the placebo effect is becoming so overwhelming that they're having difficulty verifying results. There's, yeah. also, there's also specifically, especially with... Um, like mental health drugs, um, and this kind of expands into what I was just about to say, which is that bioindividuality is such a large thing. Everybody's yeah. bodies is just so different, especially when we're talking about the brain. It is so I complex. like that, bioindividuality. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's one hell of a buzzword. Yep. Yeah. It's the, the concept that every individual person's body is unique enough that there has to be, there, there is something different about it especially at the pharmaceutical level. You had me go on there for a second. Like, you were just smoothly reciting what it was. I thought you were about to spit out, like, the Webster's version, and then you did no. the Colby, and now it's something completely different. It, no, it is it is the concept that every individual body is different enough that it has to be considered an individual thing. There are There's very little in medicine that is universally applicable. Yeah, exactly. Hearts need to remain beating. Right, so... And actually, nope, I'm already wrong. Forget it. I don't know shit. Okay. Because <laughs> there's bypass. You don't even have to have a fucking organ. Yeah. You could survive. So what do I know? Yeah, just put a pacemaker in there. Just a little pump that keeps going constantly. Energize our body. Oh, Lord. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so bioindividuality. So um, different diets are going to work for different people, and, and that's going to maximize for different people. So right now, like, keto is really big um, and kind of almost opposite to that and I have a hard time saying opposite because there are people that are vegan which is what I'm going to say and keto um so there are vegan keto people out Boy, there that, I mean the gymnastics that you have to you must have to sit down and do a full-on calculus lesson yeah to get to what yeah. you're allowed to eat for, for sure the day. but that's but that's exactly it so different things work for different people before I went vegetarian at some point I had tried Atkins which is basically keto yeah um except I actually prefer um how the Atkins diet sort of like publicizes their diet because it's not yeah. supposed to be long-term and they talk about 
reintroducing all of these foods and kind of learning, kind of like a Whole30 type deal where you're learning what your sensitivities are and how you feel best versus like this idea of keto where you're, you're constantly cycling. I will say with keto, uh, with my experience with it, Thank you. having given, having the experience that I've had and the results that I've gotten, I was much more strict when I started, you know, introducing my body to the reality of what it was going to be in. Yeah. And as I've progressed, I've slowly introduced other things back into my diet, yeah. found where those barriers are, where I feel good, where I don't, and found those marks. So even aside from the marketing of the diet itself, I've just sort of done that naturally. I know that's not going to happen for everyone, but right. if you do happen to try the diet, uh, don't be afraid to do those things. Like, don't yeah, be afraid sure. to try those things and see what does and doesn't still make you feel good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's exactly it with any diet is you kind of have to, or and I, I also hate the word diet, um, but like lifestyle change, however it is that you're eating, kind of focusing in on yourself and what it is that you feel good and kind of this idea of intuitive eating, I think is at the core of what it is that we're both talking about, which yeah. is maybe you start with this basis because they made a formula book for it and it's maybe that's a great basis for you to follow. And then you kind of steer off of that a little bit and find something that's sustainable and makes you happy yeah. long term. Because at the end of the day, these are both, if you plan on doing this for the rest of your life, it's a lifestyle change. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, if anybody that's been doing any particular thing that maybe restricts their, their eating in one way or another, um, <laughs> they will talk about um, that it's a lifestyle change for them and that they yeah. found a way to make it sustainable for themselves. And that's Unfortunately, what I've seen with specifically something like keto or even with vegan um, is that they are unable to sustain it long term. And then or with any and I, it's not actually even these diets, but more um, like restrictive fasting yeah. is that they'll lose the weight, but then they'll gain it back and then some after it's done. Yeah, I think that's a big issue with like bad diets and diets in general, which is exactly what you were saying. Like right. if you're not able to maintain it as a lifestyle change. Um, you get real excited, you lose your freshman 15 or whatever, you're able to fit into that, you know, Speedo for Colby or whatever, and then you... <laughs> Why would you put that image in my brain? <laughs> yeah, I regretted it as soon as it came into mine. Um, but my point is, you know, you, you feel real good, you go right back to the same old habits, same routines, and you get the same results that you did before. So it's a, it's a challenge. But I, then your body actually, what it does is that it holds on to things, it holds on to fat. Or, right, it, it and you actually gain, yeah, and you actually gain weight. Which, there, yeah. Now, I from, from my experience, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but my understanding of it is that that tends to happen more with certain weight loss methods. Uh, for instance, like if you lose weight through severe calorie deficit, that's one that tends to have a worse boomerang effect. If you once you sort of reach an equilibrium. It, from, like from my research, yeah, like one, once you sort of leveled off and you're now eating a like a sustained calorie count for the amount of calories you're outputting, from what I've researched, your body tends to balloon weight back up more in that instance okay. yeah. than with uh, some other like weight loss strategies. Okay, so I want to say two. I have two comments about that. Kind of one that kind of what's the word, like AIDS in that argument, yeah. and then kind of, I guess, in opposition. Okay. So when I started losing weight, I, I ate more often. I ate, and I ate more, period. I okay. ate more food, and I ate more often than I did beforehand, because I have a tendency to not eat, 
And when I do that, especially when I'm stressed out or anxious, and when I do that and I don't eat, then I end up, when I do eat, my body holds on to that. Like that's, and some people are really great with fasting and that actually works for them, like intermediately or whatever. Um, but that's not something that personally works for me. I have to be eating very constantly in order to have healthy weight loss. So keep that kind of, Keep yeah. your body active the whole right, time. Right, exactly. And that kind of, that kind of ties into what you're saying that like you have to be careful with calorie deficits because if you deficit too far and then you try to eat more than that, your body can hold on to that fat longer. Yeah. However, with that said, for the most part, you really want to focus. It's not really, a, and, ex, and this is like a pretty known understood thing is that it's not really about calories so much as the quality of those calories. And I mean, the big thing right now is like macronutrients. Mm -hmm. um, and I still don't think that that's, you know, extremely holistic because I've had days where I don't feel like I ate great, but my macro count checked out. So in theory, I was good. And by that, I mean, I was eating like my processed vegan nuggets to get my protein for the day. And I don't necessarily feel great and, you know, super healthy and fit after eating that, but I hit my protein count for the day. And like, if that's like the box that I'm checking off, then I, I hit that mark. So the quality of foods that you're eating, and if you want to focus on macronutrients, is that something that helps guide you in terms of um, like different quantities of different foods. And I do think that by focusing specifically on my macronutrients, I've been able to focus more heavily um, on gaining more protein in my diet as a vegan, um, which in the vegan community, talking about protein is something that immediately gets shut down yeah. because it's something that everybody says, because you're not going to be protein deficient. Like to yeah. be protein deficient, you have to just not eat anything um, basically, or it would be, it's very difficult to become protein deficient, especially yeah. if you're, if you have a whole foods diet. Um, Cause there is protein in things as much as many people like to think there isn't. Right. There's, like there's a ton of protein, in spinach and broccoli and broccoli in a lot of leafy greens. There's, Protein and a lot of stuff. Right, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. However, um, as somebody that's been focusing more on targeting not only my, like, continued weight loss, I guess, but also building up muscle, then I've been focusing more on getting more protein and learning more about diet in order to, like, get results faster. Because okay. my, my personal journey is I didn't go vegetarian or vegan in order to lose weight. It was purely for environmental reasons. Um, and then, I mean, I went vegan because I felt better eat, eating vegan, but not necessarily because I thought it was going to eat in, like, my weight loss. I just felt better eating that way. Okay. Um, but I originally, when I started losing weight, it was mostly a lifestyle change in terms of my mentality around the idea of eating different foods um, and also going to the gym. Like, instead of finding these things as chores, finding myself worthy of the love that I wanted for myself through these activities and eating in a way that nourished my body instead of nourishing my emotions I guess that that has been a huge thing for me as well is yeah. like that shift of looking at my body not as something that I was angry at and needed to punish so that it was correct yeah. but rather as something that I loved and needed to respect and so listen to and treat properly mm -hmm. was a huge shift uh that didn't it didn't happen because I changed my diet they they all it all sort of went together like the culmination of deciding to eat differently and respect my body a little bit and in, enjoy the body that I have right. all sort of happened Another uh, not simultaneously, but cohabitively. Like they happen together back and forth as it, it, as it progressed. Well, that's what, it, that's what I focus on as a health coach. So I really focus on the other aspects of 
being healthy outside of what's on your plate. So I think that nutrition is there's important. Such a focus and such an upset. Yeah, sorry, I actually yeah, am still ahead. here, guys. I, <laughs> I just I, here's the thing: I don't have much to contribute here outside of opinions, uh, and because I eat whatever the fuck I want, and I continue to maintain the body that I have because I'm an asshole. Um, but that being said, there is such a huge um, obsession in my observation on health starts at the plate. And I think that there's something to that, but there's so much more outside of that. What one of the first conversations you and I had, Colby, if you remember when you told me you were starting the keto lifestyle, I said, cool, how often are you going to the gym? Because that is such a huge part that everybody just chooses to fucking ignore. And obviously it doesn't have to take place in a gym, right? But you have to increase your physical activity in addition to this lifestyle change, generally speaking, to make it sustainable and healthy. Now, no. I, I was lucky enough that I didn't change my physical activity and I lost my weight. But it depends on the amount of physical activity you have in your daily life when you start that, as well as what your goals are. Because if your goal well, that, is... I think that's the big yeah. thing, is figuring out what your goals are. Because, right, like, which if, is also part of what it is that I do, is I help people identify exactly what it is that their goals are. But I think what you're, what you're touching on is that it's not just... Physical activity is part of it, right? But that's the whole thing. So it's a whole equation. Mm -hmm. So what, what we talk about or what I talk about as a health coach is this idea of primary food, which is, which is talking about everything kind of off of your plate. And there's 12 aspects specifically in, in my health coaching that I learned about of primary food. And one of those is physical activity. One of those is joy, creative outlets. Um, because every, mindfulness, everything plays friends, together. career, all these things, sleep is a big one too, right? All these things are going to Say take- Say it again for the people in the back. Sleep is important to everyone. I will shout it from the <laughs> rooftops. Um, yeah, so like it's important to take all these things into consideration when you're talking about what it means to live a healthy lifestyle. And some people are able to navigate that on their own, but a lot of people, it's a lot more difficult because they think that because it's sold to them as if I just eat better and if I just go to the gym, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to be happy. And everything else will fall in place. I yep. just have to fix this one thing. Right. And it's not necessarily true. Like, right. uh, you may be able to focus on one thing at a time until you get that thing in place. But if the other things don't immediately fall into place, many people get discouraged and then they don't continue to work on those things. But that's also because it's fucking hard. Oh, it is. But to Tara's point, not knowing that going in like not you may know it but not being not having a top of mind not being cognizant of the journey that you're actually taking is going it has the potential to trip you up pretty quickly well we've talked about this before and i think that did we talk about it or did we argue about it i i never know well we've we've talked about this idea before that the way that things are portrayed in media the way that people consume an idea the way it's presented influences the way they think about that thing and the yeah. way that things like weight loss or your life turning around in general uh, is generally focused on like a single moment. It's like a single aha moment. Any, <laughs> any movie you've seen, any story you've read. Because it's easier that yeah, way. There, it also looks better on screen. Yeah, there's, there's an aha moment where all of a sudden everything falls into place after this one thing. And that's not how life works most of the time. Thank you for saying most of the time. Yeah, like, for I, sure. And it's also not linear too. Yeah. Like, so I started my health journey, I think it was four years ago now. How old am I? Yeah, four years ago now. <laughs> really unfortunate. Um, 
four years ago. And then in the past year, and basically it was pretty, like there was obviously some curves in the road, but for the most part, it was pretty linear until this past year um, where I got a PTSD diagnosis and my mother had passed away. And as a result of that, I gained back 15 of the pounds that I lost. And I say that not because I was upset about the weight gain as much as what I knew that it meant I was going through mentally. And my weight was a reflection of how it was that I was feeling on the inside. So, and I was able to, with the help of specifically a personal trainer, with the help of a health coach, um, and also therapist. Um, so that's something that I advocate for is that there are different places for all of these different types of people in the health world um, that all make different contributions to themselves. But, you know, they're not necessarily going back to like there's an aha moment. Not only is there not necessarily an aha moment, but you could think that you finally have everything on track and then get totally re- derailed yeah. because that's what life does to you. And learning how to navigate sometimes a completely different person than what it is that you started this journey at. Um, mm. is, you know, kind of keeps it interesting, I will say. It, keeps it interesting. It is a complex issue. I, I will say I've, I've run into that idea myself in my journey because having lost as much weight as I have, I have trouble... You look fucking fantastic, by the way. I know that that shouldn't be the thing, but Jesus Christ, man. Well, I appreciate it, but I have trouble recognizing myself in pictures. Like, yeah! I don't... To the point where what I see in a picture doesn't look like what I see in the mirror... Okay. So I'm probably suffering from a small amount of body dysmorphia. Yeah. I recognize that about myself. It's I mean, I think that it's time I'm... that we kind of all recognize that on some level. I think most people are suffering from that. But specifically just... people that go through weight loss. Especially right. large amounts in a short period. Yeah, that is extremely problematic um, because you constantly still see the, the same old person in the mirror. You're thinking that you're not making progress, which could inevitably, not that it, it necessarily will, but it can unfortunately lead to things like eating disorders um, or other extreme measures in order to try to feel happier with how it is that you see yourself Mm. when it it isn't the diet and it's not the exercise that's actually causing that, right? Like then we're talking about a psychological issue. Right. So if we're, if if the scale isn't helping, which we all know weight loss 101 is throw the fucking scale away, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, But if that's not helping us to see, or like in Colby's position where he doesn't even recognize himself outside of the mirror, right? Is there any good way to change that how do we impact that in a positive way outside of just having somebody like me being like (laughs) you know uh i I think a lot of it's personal myself because well yeah well that's not there's nobody that there's nobody that can convince you to see what it is that other people see right besides yourself right so it's about getting the support and the help that you need during that time in order to feel you know work on the other aspects of feeling happy with yourself. Okay. And hopefully eventually what it is that is yourself, you can eventually look into that reflection and recognize it. So I have an interesting point. I'm going to bring this back like to the very beginning and sort of why we got on this track in the first place. So the core of this conversation was why people feel so ready to give advice on certain things, especially health. Especially when they frequently know very little about what the fuck they're talking about. I and I know for a fact we've talked about this before. Like you and I personally? Yes. Yeah. Hey guys, Uh, we started a podcast because we talk about shit, (laughs) and now you just get to listen to it. Yeah. And now there's more people here. (laughs) There there's a lot of it's rooted in the idea of one, the just world philosophy. The idea that the world gives people what they deserve. 
And so if something bad happens to you, you somehow deserve that. You deserved it. Or if things aren't getting better, it's because you're not working hard enough. So the idea for a lot of people is that if I'm healthy, the things I am doing must be healthy things. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, they prescribe, oh, this is what I do, therefore this should work for anybody. Uh, okay, I'm way to make something that was a pet peeve of mine valid, Colby. Thanks for that. I, well, <laughs> that's well, fair, though. And I think, I think my issue, it came from the fact that a lot of it was anecdotal. Yeah. A lot of it was old wives' tales, right? Yeah. A lot of it is the regional. Uh, there's certain regions where, you know, break an ankle, soak it in vodka. Uh, heartbreak, soak it in vodka. Uh, <laughs> abrasion, soak it in vodka. Well, um, that's, that's the beauty of the internet now, too, is that now we have all... You can soak it in vodka? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Look, yes. Because the... of the internet, we, too, can soak it in vodka. Um, but <laughs> um, what I was getting at is now we have access to all of these different regional things that used to happen, and maybe one cultural area used to, you know, did something that ended up actually being helpful for somebody else. Like what next? Yeah, sure. Um, My big fat Greek wedding. Never seen it. Yeah. I, okay. Wow. Well, I'm okay with that. Yeah. The, the, so I think that that was a, a send up, right, to like weird cultural phenomenon that like right. they believe in. So, and the, the dad, uh, the Greek father in that storyline, um, he was upset, like he had like dry skin. You would, you would come, the camera would come into the room with the father sitting at the table and like his elbow would just be in a dish of Windex. Like he just believed that Windex was the, was the cure-all for everything. That's interesting. <laughs> That's terrifying. I, uh, I mean, I'm sure it came from a reason though, right? So you were discussing about um, doing research into other culturally relevant uh, kind of cure-alls. Yeah, basically like these, right, like these wives' tales come from people's families and backgrounds and now we have access to those things whereas you may not have necessarily had access to those things. And they've, you know, and t- you know, when they give out this advice, it's it a lot of the time isn't meant to be malicious, right? Right. It's meant to be helpful, but it's just unwarranted or um, not necessarily backed by anything that's stable and may not necessarily work for somebody that ends up trying to use whatever it is that yeah. they're using. Agreed. Well, I, I, this is another thing I know we talked about is the that most people don't understand chronic illness. And I see this attributed <laughs> most often to chronic illnesses. Yeah. Uh, most people are... Oh, you have fibromyalgia? No, that's cool. Just stop drinking Diet Coke. Yeah. Mo- most people understand illness or sickness or injury, whatever it is, as something that happens. And then you get over it and you either are 100% better or you're dead. There mm-hmm. is no in-between mm-hmm. to most people. You're either 100% cured or you've died of it. And if it doesn't kill you, you must get 100% better. So anything that leaves someone impaired or affected, most people don't understand. And then those chronic illnesses have a tendency to impact every single person differently. Um, and continuously Bio-individuality, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so just because you can find one person with... You, you can see two people with the exact same chronic illness... Which, by the way, what I just said is essentially, I don't know that oxymoron applies, but you can't have two people with the exact same chronic illness, right? It can, have, it can be the same diagnosis, yeah. but it's not going to affect them the same way, which is the point that I'm making, which is like one of those people who has rheumatoid arthritis can do jobs. They can work manual labor. Maybe it's just not a, as acute for them as it is for the next person in line behind them that has arguably the same disease, but we don't know about the severity. We don't know about the treatment plan. 
what access they have to what treatments. Don't know what their uh, life situation is, what their personal history is, uh, what may have happened to their body to affect it. Yep. Their, their mental health, which yep. affects physical health and vice versa. It can get, it, it gets very complex. And unfortunately, people don't like complex. People like to think that the world is very simple and very black and white. And we also live in a world that's run by the cult of ignorance. Oh, yeah. Uh, where I can agree with that. Because there are so many people who believe that knowing too much means that you're worse at things. Well, you remember when we talked about that, um, what episode was that that we were talking about where, like, that storyline about the, the uneducated hero? Yep. Uh, the uneducated expert. The uneducated yeah. Oh, yeah, I see what your problem is right there. It's just like a corporator. You just got to do the thing with the doohickey. And then all of a sudden he saves the day that, like, these Ivy League educated motherfuckers have been standing around scratching their chins and puzzling over and can't seem to figure it out because they're too smart for their own good. I, one of my favorite examples there is a show that I love, Stargate SG-1. And they, the, the entire plot of the series is that ancient gods and things like that from Earth's history are actually super highly intelligent and developed aliens. And we interact with them at different... What, do you mean that's fiction? Yes, Jerry. <laughs> uh, but the idea is that in this world, it's real, and that there are these portals that can teleport you to different planets. One of the races that he... How have had... I not watched this show? I don't Jason know. Jason is even in Atlantis. Yes. It's Atlantis! Like, yes. I am shame. Uh, but one of the races in this show, humanity ends up being allies with. And they are beset by this race called the Replicators. And they're basically these, like, insect-like creatures that are made of giant metal hexes that none of the alien weaponry works on because they are able to absorb energy and replicate and become more of them. And oh then, my God. And then we show up and we shoot them with guns. No! And they, <laughs> and they die. And the aliens don't understand because all we hit them with was metal. We just hit them and they died. And, and they literally go, we have evolved beyond the capacity con to consider such primitive methods. And they literally go, so you needed someone stupider than you. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like that idea that being dumber or being less educated is actually a boon and not a deficit is amazingly pervasive. And we just That's, pause wait. for a second though because it's an amazing storytelling device. It can be. Yes, but that actually reminds me of when I see all of these like um, like eighteen year olds or like sixteen, thirteen, whatever, like young kids that are coming up with this like revolutionized, right, um, like way to maybe like clean up oil from the water, yeah, um, or things like that. And I feel like it's because like you get so wrapped up in these complexities that you learn about specifically at the college level that you kind of forget to take a step back at the big picture and be like, okay, like objectively how can I just like try to solve this problem like on a more simplistic way because sometimes it is maybe sometimes the answer really is the simplistic there, right there but, is something to be said for that there, there right, is something yeah, to be exactly. said for being able to take a step back and remove yourself from like at a certain point remove yourself from the industry of a profession or uh, an education I can't think of the word for it, a discipline Remove yourself from like the profession of a discipline and instead just work on the discipline itself. Yeah, I think there's something very, very different though about approaching a problem with fresh eyes. Yeah. And and uncorrupted slash un uh, jaded eyes to a problem. Yeah. And literally saying, Oh, the reason we couldn't get to the answer to this issue is because we're too smart. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I could see how they marry. But that is, but that's something that is projected in a lot of media. You're right. It is. What was your point? Uh, I think that is relevant to health a lot, and especially people's views on health. Uh, my my dad is that we're over complexifying. We're, we're complexifying. Yeah, we're uh, we're we are overly complicating medicine. That health is just about going completely organic and not putting medicine in our bodies. You hear that all the time. It's the pharmaceutical industry that's poisoning us. Okay, got to acknowledge, right? There's definitely been a rash over the last twenty plus years of overprescribing and underserving, right? So we're about to crack into something that we don't have time to on this episode, which is that our fucked up healthcare industry. Absolutely. But I'm agreeing with you, Colby, that that attitude for someone who hasn't spent the time to be able to do the adequate research to make appropriate judgment calls on one person's health, yes. i.e. not a fucking doctor. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not saying doctors are infallible. Uh, that's why second opinions are a thing. And, and that's why it's so important in my opinion, that people remember that, that your doctor works for you and is there to provide you an educated opinion. Um, but I do have to, I, I feel it's necessary to also point out that there actually is some validity to that concern. Yeah. We're over-prescribing antibiotics at an alarming rate and creating fucking superbugs yeah. because better safe than sorry and we don't want the loss. But there's a, difference, there's a difference between saying, like, understanding when things are becoming unnecessary and trying to figure out when you should make that judgment call for yourself and being anti-science. And I think that that's what Colby is touching on is not necessarily being anti-medicine as much as being anti-science. Yeah. And that is an issue. And I wasn't trying to derail. No, I, yeah, no, I I just felt like it's, it's very important to point out that your doctor still probably knows best and, and, and toothless uncle Jim Probably doesn't. Yes. No, right. I, don't I, want think to be I have a feeling that Colby also agrees with you. Yeah. On that. Let's like let there, him talk and find out. There, <laughs> there is, there are definitely instances, you see it a lot in, for instance, mental health care, where for <laughs> many, many years, <laughs> for many, many years, the easiest approach was the most common one, lock which was to lock people away, to over medicate. Oh, yeah. Uh, the fact that medicine. Thorazine for days. Valium, just well, that, Valium's a more recent. Shitloads of lithium. Shitloads of lithium. Just, but those things were common practice, and as title of your sex tape, shitloads of lithium. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I don't think that's a sex tape anymore. I I think that's a snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Please continue. But yes, I, I, I think that especially in the last few years, the public perception that expertise is bad has become more and more pervasive, not just in medicine, but in particular in medicine. I, I think there's a, that, that maybe that's a little regional, though, too, because I think on a wider berth, I think we're starting to swing back the other direction. There's a... Unfortunately... I, knew, I said I wasn't going to do this. Pe- people who are getting elected to office... Yeah! <laughs> Holy did it for me! God damn it! Like Every that's, episode! It, it, it's common enough that people writing laws don't believe in the science around medicine and are actively writing laws that subvert no, They don't medicine. believe in science. Yes, but medicine is Full one of the stop. big... But, but medicine is one of the big ones where a lack of scientific uh, literacy 
leads to bad laws that affect people's health and safety. Or no laws at that. Yeah. Okay, so where so where do we like so where do you go? Like in theory, right? So we're taught mm-hmm. we're having um, a lot of conversations about this person's qualified to do this, this person isn't qualified to do this. Yeah. So like if you're, for example, like trying to become healthier, let's just be very general with that statement here. Okay. Where do you go for what? Like I, I spent, you know, the first part of our conversation talking about kind of what a health, what a, what I do as a health coach and kind of also what a health coach isn't, yeah. kind of what a dietitian does, kind of, I, I didn't really go too much into that. Um, and I touched on some other things too, and now we're talking about like doctors and medicine like that. Yeah. So let's talk about um, maybe like, and you guys could also give your input in terms of what you guys think about what I'm about to say, but, and also to- I promise we will. Yeah, and to <laughs> maybe help wrap this up in terms of like, okay, so where do you go from here? Like you're, you're looking to get healthier, where do, who do you go for what? So I would say that if you're working with depression, anxiety, some other form of a mental illness, um, including body dysmorphia, go to a certified therapist. Um, and thankfully, that is something that is more, um, it's becoming more accessible. And unfortunately, it's obviously not nearly as accessible as it needs to be for people. That is a very extremely large socioeconomic issue. I know so many people that I've talked to that are like, I know that I should be in therapy, but I can't afford it. Thank you for acknowledging that though, because I think that I I agree. I am in a weird spot where I have, because I work for the state, I am lucky enough to have excellent insurance. Like, like God tier for America. God tier. Like it is, it is some of the best health insurance that America has access to health insurance. Uh, And I probably should and would be going to a therapist, but as much as I, you know, as much as I've talked about it here, I still, having grown up with very anti-medicine sentiment, mm-hmm. still have very subtly ingrained tendencies to not seek out medical help. It, it's well, that, okay, that so this is just toxic masculinity and all kinds. Well, of yeah, there, there is a lot. In there's there. also yeah. something to be said, though, that to to clarify, going to a therapist does not necessarily mean that you will get medicated. No. Um, and that's not the same thing as going to a psychiatrist who yes. is the person that actually subscribes you medicine. Yeah, that, so, because that's a big difference. There, There's separate yeah. fields of study. So just, just to be clear for people, just because you feel like you're sad, that doesn't mean that somebody's going to try to push you a pill. Um, if they, if you are, once you develop a relationship with a therapist, they may refer you to a psychiatrist and you can make, you still have autonomy in that position normally unless you are unsafe. Um, to make that decision for yourself if that's something that you want to pursue. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that. However, I do think I, that there's there's still it. a lot of cultural stigma around going to therapy in of itself, but I'm saying that people that even want to go to therapy can't go to therapy Absolutely. because of the accessibility. So I feel like that needs to be tackled in my in, in terms of like the chicken or the egg. I think that needs to get tackled first because if people don't have access to it, then it doesn't matter if they're cognizant of needing it or not yeah. right. because so- they still can't access to it yeah, so that, once again speaking from the per, from the perspective of the low-income person i also really want to point out that um depending on your income level so circling back to if you're approved for snap benefits mm-hmm. odds are you're also likely approved for medical assistance um and or medicaid and therapy uh, is oftentimes included with those with those insurances at no cost to you or at an extremely low cost and if you do have some form of copay or something to that effect. Oftentimes, your caseworker, if if uh, you know, you're able to, I guess, prove that you're in need of these services, which is an awful thing to have to do, but it's an additional hoop that you may have to jump through. 
uh, but I do know like on that level can gain access to those resources, oftentimes at no cost to you. Right, which is very helpful. It's just, it's that lower middle class, middle class folks that keep getting the shaft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I'm thankful enough where because of the position that I'm in, I'm able to afford it. But I know that that's not even necessarily the case going forward for myself. Right. Um, thankfully, if for a, when I started therapy, I was going to college. So a lot of college campuses have on-staff therapists, um, depending on the university, how large your university is. That center may or may not be well-staffed um, in order to, you know, get a really great relationship with somebody. Like, I feel like you need to in order for therapy to be successful. We could probably talk about therapy for a very <laughs> long time. Um, but that's that's where you that's who you go to a therapist for specifically is those things. Um, I would say that if you were looking for not dietary advice, but you were looking to gain insight into goal setting and also um, depending on the health coach. Um, for me, like I focus a lot on intention setting, intentional living, and how to kind of thrive outside of dietary outside of diet in order to become healthier. So talking about those other aspects of primary food, so joy, creative. Outlets. I talk a lot with my clients about even money um, is something that I feel like is still a taboo subject, um, but is something that I talk with my clients about because financial, um, financial security is going to is going to sway not only a lot of your decision makings, but obviously your stress, which is going to impact mm-hmm. your health. It's going to open or close a lot of options for you. And unfortunately, because of the society that we live in, money is something that we need in order to, you know, really exist and live in our society as it is. I don't um, know if so, anyone, by the way, heard Jer and I both deeply sigh there. Yeah, because it's really, it is, I, you know, that's a whole other, yeah, like, shelf yeah, that. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other conversation. But um, those are the things that you go to a health coach for, um, yeah. is really talking about general nutrition advice and specifically goal setting and potentially other aspects of your life that would help you lead a healthy and happy, successful, abundant life, whatever that means for you. Um, And then if you want more, so clinical registered dietitians, I'm sure you know this, really work with people that are sick. So they usually coordinate with a doctor. So if you get diagnosed, for example, with high cholesterol, um, and you know that your cholesterol is so high, or that's that's not the example, your high blood pressure, um, and you know that high blood pressure can be linked to a lot of different diseases and death, and for, for example, stroke, um, then you may get referred to a registered dietitian in order to try to come up with dietary advice that specifically targets the disease that you are working around in order to not treat, but minimize um, the effects that that, you know, whatever it is that you have going on. Essentially, rather than the diet being the treatment, it is an aspect of treatment. It's right. not what's right. going to heal you. But depending on what you need, that change in diet could augment or supplement your treatment right. otherwise. Yes. Okay. So they're not, um, for the most part, and maybe there are some um, registered dietitians that just take anybody, but for the most part, they usually work with doctors. Okay. Um, and they usually are targeting specific types of diseases because they're educated on how different foods affect different parts of the body. Okay. Um, that's what they get educated with. So I have an interesting topic that I want to discuss, sort of the opposite of what you've specifically been talking about of who is re- like regulated and who mm-hmm. is certified and who to go for for these things. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the people who are not certified yeah. and some of the 
classes of people who you probably shouldn't go to for things. One of my big examples is chiropractors. Chiropractors. Whoa, what do you mean oh. you shouldn't go to them? Chiropractors can be very dangerous to go to. Uh, I agree. If you're not, if you're going to them independently and you're not going there as part of a treatment plan for something um, that you were referred to, maybe by a doctor or something like that. Uh, I know that there is kind of a history of like, there's an anecdotal history of uh, chiropractors like making issues worse, right? And I think we actually talked on a previous episode, I wish I could remember our own show better than this, <laughs> uh, how the chiropractic arts started as total and complete bullshit. Started. But at this point, it's a little bit more legitimized. I, I so there like, is schooling that goes behind becoming a chiropractor. Yes. Uh, one of the things I was going to say about that is that chiropractic. be careful, I guess was my point. Yeah. Chiropractics does have... Uh, schooling and classification and chiropractors tend to be uh, excellently educated in physiology, in uh, uh, oftentimes pain management, things like that. But uh, in my experience, a lot of chiropractors also tend to uh, augment their business with things like supplement okay, businesses. Okay, that I will agree with. And uh, uh, I... Alkalized water. Alkalized and... water, faith healing, crystal yeah. healing, things like that. That... There's a lot of yeah. So basically, so okay. So I, I could probably talk about this for for a while, but I'm going to keep it very succinct. Um, As somebody that is, so my day career is a chemist. So I have a STEM background, and I'm also a health coach. And with that, I obviously gain insight into a large community of things, kind of along the lines of what you're talking about. I believe that both of these things have their place in our society. Basically, like, I don't believe that just because Western medicine as we know it today um, works and can be helpful for people being, you know, pharmaceuticals, medicine in the way that we know it, that doesn't mean that we're not overusing it. And that doesn't mean that these other tools are not useful either. Like, I, like okay. I personally can, there are benefits and maybe it's not just one thing. Maybe it's partially the placebo effect. But there are benefits to some of the things that you guys were kind of starting to dabble in that may be beneficial to the body in some capacity. Okay. With that said, with anybody, and that's, I think, kind of like the core of what it is that I'm saying, um, and I didn't actually say this out loud, so this is a good point, is do your research in terms of who it is that you're working with. Look at their background. Look at if they're working with other companies. What are those other companies look like? Are yeah. those companies that you could get behind? And unfortunately, this comes down to a time issue yeah. of being able to afford the time to look into these sorts of things. Even mm -hmm. having access to the information because having access to an unlimited data connection isn't 100% guaranteed for a lot of people. Some people don't have home internet. Some people don't have, say, a cell phone plan that has data that they can access and you're working continuously while the library and freely. Is open, that's so just that's the, not right. Even necessarily yeah. an option. Right. And if you're, you know, but even for example, like not even that extreme, if you are somebody that works even a nine to five and you have kids yeah. at the end of the day that you need to go home to, and then on top of it, maybe you, I don't know, like to see other friends and do other things outside of that. Have taking a life. hours, yeah, taking hours out of your day in order to try to investigate different options for yourself can be extremely taxing and difficult. Um, I just played D&D instead. Right, yeah, of yeah. course. That's that's what you should do instead of trying to... Every, everyone should just play D&D instead. Everybody should just come play D&D with me. You'll be all right. It, it, your life will be better. 
I mean, for at, least, I can, for, at, for at least two hours a week. At I least. actually just did a whole other show where I talked about the health benefits of Dungeons and Dragons. It, it so is, that was actually something else that I talked about. Recently. It is pretty wonderful. I win. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, on that front, D and D has uh, not D and D specifically, but uh, RPGs in general have been being used as cognitive tools for a few years now to help people on that front. Uh, conf- confronting personal issues, confronting sometimes body dysmorphia. I've seen instances of it where the just the idea of putting yourself into the headspace of another character and acting things out really helps. Well, yeah, your brain has a tendency to do that on its own in traumatic situations. It'll create an entire different person to protect, yeah. you know. This was such a great unintentional segue for the thing that I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> I, it really was unintentional. I was yeah. just being a smartass. But now that we're here, Tara, what did you want to talk about? So really cool, guys. I'm working on specifically an RPG retreat. Okay. Um, which is kind of like a combination of RPG specifically targeting Dungeons & Dragons. So I'm coordinating with, um, her name is Valerie Sanfilippo. She's amazing. Um, and she's going to be Can you say reading... that name again? No, I'm going to put it in the show notes. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I want to know the name. Valerie Sanfilippo. Okay. Um, a good friend of mine, she's going to be leading writing workshops. So it's going to partially be like learning how to, not necessarily learning how to, but building a campaign. So if you have a campaign, maybe learning how to... Um, like Getting make tools. It, yeah, tools for, for building it to being stronger. Or if you're new to it and you want to start, then this is also going to be a good opportunity for that. That's awesome. Um, and combining that with different wellness and intentional workshops and... We have, like, so many ideas for it. I don't even want to say specifically what it's going to be targeting. But I know that it's going to be the overall idea is to kind of talk about how the creative outlet that is Dungeons & Dragons can have a significant impact on your mental well-being and your health as a whole. And that was something that was a mechanism for me in the past year. A really interesting uh, aspect of that is that they've... So your brain is very complicated. Yes. And... The brain. That's the moral of this episode. (laughs) But your brain has different memory types based on different situations. Like Mm. it has different storage mechanisms for memories that you have lived versus memories that you have experienced tangentially, say through film or while reading and things like that. Different parts of the brain are activated. Uh, And because neuroscientists are fucking nerds. Uh, they love to study just what happens when you do X and what your brain does. Yeah. And what they found was that during uh, role-playing experiences such as Dungeons & Dragons, the parts of the brain that record uh, personal experienced memory are the ones that are recording experiences when you role-play. Mm. So your brain records these situations as if they were happening in real time, obviously you are actually experiencing it like you're sitting there talking and rolling dice, but your brain writes it partially as if you were experiencing your characters. If you're physically the one swinging the sword, if yes. you're physically the one yeah, being swallowed by now, the dragon. Now obviously these are all filtered through your own personal lens of a potential experience of those situations. Right, but we're not getting into the yeah. weeds with it. You're just making yeah. an overarching statement that the part of the brain that records experiential uh, moments is the one that's triggered. Yeah, so your, your brain can use those to experience things or at least feel like it has experienced right. things that you don't personally have to go through 
to experience it. And, and it can be very to, powerful. That's why they're starting to be able to use it in like cognitive therapy and things mm-hmm. like that. Dope. Yep. I think it's a good place for us to kill things for now. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Magnificent Whiskers. Um, I've got a whole big long list of stuff to uh, talk about where you can find us. But to, before I get into all of that, where can people find you if you want them to, Tara? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Tara Red Robin. And my website is www.tararobin.com. And of course, I'll be putting that in show notes. If you wanted to catch up with Colby or I, uh, talk with us in podcast format or otherwise, you can find us on Gmail at magnificentwhiskers at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at Whiskers Podcast, Twitter at MagWhisk. You can find me on Twitter at RemyX0, and the zero is the number. Colby? You can find me pretty much everywhere as either Colby Bastion or LVNDRIS91. And uh, we also have a website that we would love for you to swing by, and I'm going to put that into the show notes as well. Um, So until next time.